This is Destination Detour, the poetry podcast where we get lost on purpose. My name is Sean King. With me today is. We're just going to be doing a couple poems um, here that we both like a lot, so we're just going to kind of just watch them and talk about them and see how this goes. The first piece here is uh, Slow Down Gandhi by Sage Francis. This piece is really fucking cool. We're going to go ahead and start this right now. I wasn't pop then, so I missed the bus a bit. Politics was on everybody's hot this summer list. And the cool kids, they were all rocking votes. I shit you not. I was pistol whipping cops. It's fuck cops. <laughs> Choosing carcasses as stepping stones. I had a promise that I'd stop holding my marches the day Chris Columbus got crucified on golden arches. Oh. <laughs> yeah. oh, pretty awesome right there. <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah, that was, that was a good line. Hey, Christopher Columbus got crucified on golden arches. Underdogs with wonder bras in a push-up contest. All for the sake of military recruitment. It felt like Kent State the way they targeted the students. So I guess... That's where you went, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's where I got my degree. He references Kent State and Neil Young right here in the same line. Yeah. Off, whistling Ohio, and the rest of them were stuck doing stand up at a cricket convention. Mm. Who will they die for? Who will they die for? Is it the same machine that leaves their quality of life poor? An abominable colony of cyborgs clogging up the property that I bought with eyesores? That, that campaign ain't worth the time taken from minimum wage labor. I don't care how half naked or fake she looks. She smells like dirty cash and aged paper books. Who will she die for? Slow down, Gandhi, you're killing him. Who will she die for? Slow down, fat boy, you're killing him. One love, one life, one too many victims. Republicrat, Democrat, one party system. I get the... Yeah, that's a, <clears throat> obviously a very short piece. But yeah, I, I really get the like feeling that. we got cut off. Uh, yeah. yeah, um, I get the feeling that we we only saw like half of that poem, you know. Although he goes out, he goes off and do a different thing. I think after that. Yeah. <laughs> he does a thing called like it's a two part thing called "Slow Down, Gandhi," and then there's another part to it. Yeah, I probably should have found the thing with both parts. <laughs> yeah, but well, it definitely <laughs> felt like there was like a bigger thing happening there. But I love a lot of that imagery, that, that protest, uh, those protest stories. Um, it's very, very cool. I it's love very... The, speaking of the just the, the words, though, um, the way he was doing, he, he has an interesting cadence in a lot of his stuff, right? One of the things I liked about what he was doing there was the cadence of, like, the da-da-da-da. When they like, got to that one part, it was like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. why I think it's so. <clears throat> That's why I think it's so easy for him to add music to his stuff. You know, when he ends up just doing like the rap albums, because he's he always has a. Dude, his stuff always has a cadence anyway. Like he's very. Rhythmic. He never just. 
never has like a flat reading style ever. I don't think. Mm-hmm. All right, next up, Buddy Wakefield, Airhorn in the Bedrooms and Battle Scars, and this this poem is uh, shit intensely personal. We went from political to personal. And this poem, uh, this poem, it hits. Here we go. And when the rain dropped into us another song, we went along, we played along. I shook the sound (laughs) and climbed the song until a string tied to a cloud we all call home. It moved along and I held on as best as I can remember. This is how it happened. There was a tree in the bottom corner of a cornfield where I hid from people who lived inside my house. I called them stepsisters and fathers, but they were monsters holding out for light. They were people who did not know what they were holding out for. They didn't intend to be so beastly and wounded. They wanted to cross over into the way I wander, but they could not find me. And I paid for that. In 1974, I was born. The next three years were a bit of a blur. (laughs) I like that quite a bit. Yeah. Though my mother has repeatedly reminded me that I was a loud baby. I wobbled and sucked my thumb, marveled and opened up, shat my pants, cute as the next kid, and my cheeks could be used for sailing. Because of. (laughs) But in 1978, my mom's car broke down. We were brutally rescued by a truck driver for eight years. Oh, that line. Brutally rescued by a truck truck driver for eight years. Brutally rescued. Buddy Wakefield, you're the fucking king. He had the hell inside of him. Rug burn. I know because he pulled me across the floor. One day, my mom decided it was not okay anymore that he kept falling into other women's v- hoo-hoos. <laughs> so we left him, realizing we had never actually been rescued. In those days, I jumped six feet from my light switch to my bed in order to avoid the hands of anything underneath it. There are still dents in my shins because I didn't always hit the mattress. 
Bedrooms and battle scars both keep well in the dark. Hard dark. In the sunken-eyed section of a nightmare. Paved with uppercuts and heart sparks. Spark plugs and fist first release. Listen, I'd fall in love with you. If you would beat these people out of me. Fall in love with you if you would beat these people out of me. Yeah, it's a crazy. Like, it's weirdly weird how he, like, even when he even did this to a, a little bit less of a degree in the um, other one we listened to, Convenience Stores. But he has, like, these really hard hitting, like, depressing things going on and still throws humor in mm-hmm. on top. Like, that line's funny, but it's definitely not funny. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Definitely way more not funny than it is funny, but like, if you get the image of, like, you know, I don't know. So many great yeah. lines in that piece. Oh, and then there's, like, they're, they're so brutal about it. Like, the whole, like, child abuse is not a funny thing or not, and, you know, it's really sad. And there's, like, a history of depression in his family. If you listen to, um, uh, Human the Death Dance, it's all about his father's suicide. Um, like the line too, like, yeah, he's got a lot of, lot of shit going on, and yeah, yeah, his like, and that's what informs it. It makes his poet, makes his poetry even that much more powerful. I mean, I wouldn't say that that moment necessarily made is what made his poetry powerful. He made his poetry powerful. He's, he's really good at writing it, but he, his experience informs that, and that's this whole like you know like dealing with that like the child abuse and the. Mom going from husband, uh, boyfriend to boyfriend, you know, the whole being brutally rescued. Oh God! And I like how he like used the word where he's like and rug burn. You're like what? He's like and I know it because <laughs> he's like wow. You like use it as a verb. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. The rug burn. <laughs> I know because he pulled me across the floor. Oh, so many great fucking and then like the. I'd fall in love with you if you could beat these people out of me. Man. We need to get something a little more upbeat. <laughs> Alright, we're gonna head over to Watsky. Sure. <laughs> this last piece. Sup, bitch? The, this last piece. No, I'm just- is Watsky's letter to my 16-year-old self. Um, George Watsky is a spoken word poet. Um, he's also a rapper. He's also a Michael Sarah lookalike. He's yeah. also um, the coolest thing uh, since sliced bread. He's a YouTube celebrity, for he's sure. He's a YouTube celebrity, but he's more than that, too. He was... He, was, uh, he won... Um, did na- uh, I think he won the National Poetry Slam at some point. Uh, Brave New Voices. He was part of Brave New Voices and he won uh, awards in that. He was on Deaf Poetry. I mean, like the last season of Deaf Poetry Jam. Um, he was named uh, the 2011 like rising star um, in hip-hop. He's got a lot of shit going for him. And uh, this piece is like, we've all written this kind of piece. This idea of... Uh, if we could talk to our former self, um, and, you know, 
uh, what it would be like, you know? Like, what would you say to the younger version of you? Um, so the, he runs with this kind of prompt, um, and this is, a, this is exactly what it sounds like. It's a letter to his 16-year-old self, but in a weird way, it's also a letter to all the young fans also who are watching this, and and anyone, any, any of these 16-year-old selves, you know, it's a reminder to anyone listening that, hey, like, peace, you know, you're going to be fine. All right, well, I'll let him do his thing. Sup, bitch? <laughs> nah, I'm just messing with you. What I meant to say was, never give up. Always be yourself. It's gonna suck hearing that over and over as you get older. But a stereotype start with a grain of truth, cliches begin with a boulder. And no matter what, you're an animal. A born Stereotypes start with a grain of salt, cliches begin with a boulder. There's so much, uh, there's so much truth in that. <laughs> Most cliches are pretty useful. Yeah. I mean, like they're they're cliches because they're overused, but it's you know, yeah, there's there's a yeah. lot of truth in them. Natural. So you don't need some motivational speaker asshole <laughs> feeding you reheated inspirational corn casserole. You magical bastard. Get it through your brain. Inject it in your vein, get infected with the strain, the strange idea you're the reflection of the greats who came before. More than science, our bodies are history's oldest appliance. We're piggyback riding the shoulders of giants, which is how we survive when the ceilings keep getting higher and the light bulbs keep burning out. We learn by word of mouth, and when your time is past, don't drag each other down. Because being a crab in a bucket is mad lonely. Be the crab escaping from crab prison who creates a crab rope out the window made only of crab homies. Because <laughs> we're in this together. Future you is just past you with new molecules. We shoot the old ones out follicles and hair is dead cells so our faults get shed well, meaning our parts that are hard to adore get mopped up on the barbershop floor. In other words, although you often don't remember people's names, are at the center of attention at all the wrong times and spend roughly six hours a night lying on your side watching Boy Meets World reruns, you are capable of outgrowing that bullshit. I'm aware there is doubt. I don't believe in hell, but I believe in my parents' couch. You're gonna get depressed sometimes. You're gonna have weeks where you don't feel like eating, where gravity is working overtime like it's afraid of getting laid off and you can barely lift your fork to your mouth and you are going to have a choice. Do you wanna see this world as ugly or beautiful? Want to know what I think? Well, go fuck yourself. This is my poem, and I think the universe is great. It's like God just chucked a bunch of candy into space. And Earth is a jawbreaker, so it doesn't matter if you've got the biggest mouth. You can't just chew the world up and spit it out. You've got to savor it. From the grandest to the blandest nook and cranny, every crooked alley, every mountain, brook, and valley, from Candyland to Cali that's been stamped by Rand McNally, ordinary is outstanding. So don't be impressed by mere miracles. And FYI, looking like a crusty hippie doesn't make you spiritual. You're gonna have to climb through a thorny mess of contradictions, underground rivers, and sometimes what you love the most will cause your biggest problem. Because you know what's awesome? World peace. And you know what else is awesome? Catapults. <laughs> and that's just the goddamn truth.
This world is so confusing. But you're gonna be fine. You're gonna be fine. You know my favorite part about that whole thing? What's that? <laughs> is that the second you're gonna be fine sounds more like he's saying it to his current self than it is like it sounds like he's saying it to his past self. Yeah. Just in the intonation. Just It's all just in how he says it. But it's like, but you're going to be fine. And then he says it as if, like, remembering. You're going to be fine. Like he's saying it to himself. But not like, like, he just like he just discovered something while he was talking. Yeah. It's one of my favorite parts about that performance. All right. What should we go out on? Let's go with amplified going way back get up in a way back machine i get up when you get down to this keep cool but still get loud to this when it drops just can't deny the mic turned off but i'm this is first album yeah uh, this is uh i think it's back shortly after he uh i don't know if he was still doing stuff with invisible ink at the time or if he was, uh, him, this was his first solo thing, but this was one of his, uh, first albums, yeah. Um, he did a remix of this, actually, uh, called Guilty Pleasures, this whole album, where it's all, uh, remixes with popular songs. Nice. Alright, this has been Destination Detour, I'm J.M. Romick. I'm Sean King. Alright, I hope you guys are having a wonderful day. Later. Back and be ready to get you a diss track Shit man, I'm playing but somewhat of a monster When I get down to laying these songs Soon to be done at a concert Playing as loud as the bay will allow Watsky, good thing you're around to lead the crowd Yep Elephant Man It's Purple Elephant Man Watsky, shit So hot <laughs> But wait, no, leader, yeah, leader Elephant Man's on